0: <laughs> Greetings, citizens! You're now trapped in a nerd cage with your hosts Mark and Jay! We hope you have a smashing good time!
1: Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome! That's right, you're trapped in a Nerd Cage Live. This ain't just a reaction show, but a debate show and a live discussion on everything that makes people like you and I tick. So thank you for joining us tonight. Please hit that like button and subscribe. I'm your co-host Jason G coming to you live from Syracuse, New York. And always with me, my man, the fiend from Louisville, Mark Withers, what's shaking boss. Hey, what's going on, man? Super
0: excited to be here, as usual. And yes, today we have yet another look back. This is the 20th anniversary of one of my favorite films. It charmed me from the minute I walked in the theater and saw it. Jay, I know that you saw this recently for the first time. I did. And that movie is Cameron Crowe's Almost Famous. Now, like I said before, I, I virtually love almost everything about this film. but you as a first time viewer of this movie, mm-hmm. I kinda wanted to get your take on it and see what you thought.
1: Well, I'm gonna take you back real quick. Um, I, 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 I'm just kicking myself in the head that I never bothered getting around to this movie till just now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always knew about it. You know how I knew, first found out about it? It's just funny. Uh, this movie came out uh, just after the American release of Godzilla 2000. Oh, wow. So when Godzilla, when Godzilla 2000 came to theaters back in August of 2000, one of the trailers they played was almost famous. Uh, mm-hmm. That's how I knew about this movie, and um, I I just feel bad. I never got around to it, and you you recommended it to me, and we happened to have the anniversary coming up. And um, man, I'm glad I watched it. It was uh, it was a like you said, it's a charming movie. It made me laugh. Um, and it's funny, is I used to, I used to be a I used to write for a um, a music website called NewYorkStateMusic.com. So you know, I, I kind of like, you know, felt for this kid in this movie because this movie revolves around a journalist uh, trying to get, an, you know, trying to do a proper interview for a, well, fictional band, but it was um, but for a band that he's trying to get an inter- interview for, for Rolling Stone magazine. And it's just like, I could understand the frustrations of uh, trying to do an interview and then put together a, uh, and trying to hit a deadline and stuff. So it's a really, uh, it was a really, really great movie. I enjoyed it a lot.
0: Right, right, and you know, same here. I mean, one of the things that I that I really uh, love about this movie is the sort of semi autobiographical nature of it. So it's actually, yeah. um, you know, loosely based on the life of the director Cameron Crowe, who uh, wrote for Rolling Stone when he was sixteen years old. The character in this movie is actually fifteen, but uh, a lot of the experiences are sort of a composite of. Uh, interviews that he did with big bands uh in fact the band stillwater which is fictional uh in the movie is actually a composite of five bands so from what i understand it's poco led zeppelin the allman brothers the eagles and leonard skinner and there's sort of a lot of real life experiences that happened uh while he was sort of like uh you know, meeting with these bands and going on tour with them and things like that. I just thought that was fascinating after I found that out. I don't think I knew that the first time I watched it, but then after sort of reading about it a little bit and finding out a little bit more about who Cameron Crowe was prior to becoming a a director, it just made the movie that much more fascinating to me.
1: Not just that, but I'm watching the opening credits and I see Nancy Wilson of Heart uh, scored the movie.
0: Right, right. Well, she was married to Cameron Crowe at at the time. So that's kind of a fun fact. And, uh, you know, there are five songs that uh, the Stillwater band from the film perform in that movie. And uh, she wrote three of them, including their big hit in the movie Fever Dog. The other Mm -hmm. two were written by Peter Frampton and Mike McCready from Pearl Jam. So that's another fun
1: Oh, thing. wow. Okay. I yes. did not know that. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. cool. It's cool you mentioned Mike McCready because he's got that connection to Cameron Crowe from the movie Singles.
0: Right, right.
1: Which I hate to admit this. I haven't seen, but I have that soundtrack. I'm the biggest Soundgarden <laughs> fan. That's why I wore the shirt today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love that soundtrack to the movie Singles. And I didn't realize that Cameron Crowe did that movie too, along with uh, Jerry Maguire.
0: Right, right. And he seems to have uh, a pretty pretty big connection with a lot of those like Seattle bands from that time. Uh, mm-hmm. Another fun fact about that movie is that Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Chains was supposed to play one of the members of Stillwater, but he had to back out because oh! there was a scheduling conflict. He was recording an album at the time and he couldn't get out of it. Yep. So they wound up casting, um, Mark, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mark Kozelic, I think his name is, but he's he, he's in a band called the Red House Painters and they cast him in that role uh, instead. But yeah, originally it was supposed to be Jerry Cantrell, which I thought was super fascinating.
1: Yeah, and it makes sense because if you look at the timeline, I'm, I'm a big Alice in Chains fans too, and uh, Jerry um, did put out two solo albums right after uh, Lane Stanley pa- uh, passed away. So it right. all makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah you know um one of the other cool things about that uh about that movie is just the you know how you and i you know often will talk about you know movies that have stars in the big stars in them before they were stars so yes. if you look back at this movie you'll see mm-hmm. you know it's got um oh man jimmy fallon you know it's got yeah like you said kate hudson you know this was her Anna breakout Parkland. role jason lee was in it i mean you yep. know just about every rain wilson from the office was in it eric stone street yeah. from from modern family i mean you you know it's it's always like fun to go back and do one of these like look back yeah. and do, watch and see all these people before they became big and see their you know their budding talent just in, you know in the very beginning of their career
1: and it's funny because uh anna paquin a couple months prior did x-men and right. she had a very very small role in this in this film and i was just like oh wow so she had to, at the same time she was doing this movie and x-men i thought that was a pretty cool to see her in there
0: right right and you know uh, also um oh man why am i why am i spacing on people's uh names feruza balk from the from the craft is also in this movie and, oh you know, <laughs> <laughs> Talk about blast from the past. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, um, this would have been, you know, maybe a year or two after the Waterboy came out. So, yeah, yeah, I, this is the last movie that I think I remember seeing her in. Actually, I don't know if she'd done anything uh, big after this movie. But, um, you know, the speaking of which the band-aids in this movie you know mm-hmm. Anna Paquin, Farooza Ball, Kate Hudson they're actually based on a real group of like veteran groupies called the Flying Garter Girls so oh, wow. every wow. every character in that movie is actually based on a real person and Penny Lane who uh, is Kate yes, Hudson's character Kate Hudson. yep. is actually based on a real life person named Penny Ann Trumbull who's like now this very um, well to do socialite but at the time she was a uh, She was she was like very like well known groupie who like traveled with a lot of these bands.
1: And then the oh yeah the older sister there, Zoe Deschanel. Um, she's become like huge now. That's right. I almost forgot. uh, Yeah, her role was really brief, but I would say everybody knows her in like in the New Girl and uh, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. If I'm not mistaken, she was in that one too. Um, but yeah, it was cool seeing her in there. All right, Mark. So let's talk about the mother for a second. Okay. Um. I'm not gonna lie to you. At first, I like hated her in the very beginning of the movie. Where when the you know the older sister moved out, I'm like, oh my right. gosh, so we're gonna have one of those mothers, you know, <laughs> the enemy of rock and roll. The you know, hey, this is gonna corrupt you and blah 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 blah. Right. But as the movie went on, I thought she was pretty funny. And and the thing is about the mother in this movie, at least she actually allowed her son to go on tour with this band under the age of 18. So. Right. I get it. She was being overprotective. I get it. She was calling them at every hotel, and I get that. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, i was like, oh, okay, she's, she's just looking out for her son, and, you know, she's not as mean and evil. She came off, you know, early on in the movie. You know, I thought, and I thought it was pretty funny. Every time, like, she was calling and, like, you know, like the band, one, like, one of the, the girls answered the phone and said, hey, is, are you the one with the weed or something like that? And it's just like, <laughs> oh, my God. I was laughing. That's where the comedy comes in. The comedy in this movie comes in is when the mother's checking on her son. And that really gave a really really awesome element to this movie. Right. And
0: you bring up a really good point, right? Because sort of she's sort of like the, you know, I don't want to say the villain, but sort of the heel in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's sort of looked at as like the this this bad authority figure who kind of wants to stop William from from, you know, completing this task and, you know, completing this journey. But if you really think about it, I think any mom at, you know, at that time would have would have said no from the beginning, (laughs) you know what I mean? And by the way, I mean, that role is is brilliantly played by Frances McDormand. I mean, she's like one of my favorite actresses. She's she's fantastic. And uh, fun fact about that uh, is that Cameron Crowe actually based that character off of his own mother. Who during filming actually visited the set every day to make sure that that uh, they were getting the portrayal of her uh, right, <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah. you know, from what I read, you know, he was really worried about about her kind of like kind of gumming up the works and kind of making things difficult. But she actually ended up becoming really good friends with with Francis McDormand, who played her in the movie. So I, I kind of wow. thought that was cool.
1: Yeah, and another funny scene. Uh, hope we're not getting into too much spoiler territory, but the, at the very end, when they're in the airplane and they think they they might be crashing, right? They hit the electrical storm, and they all start like coming out and saying things, you know, revealing truths about each other that, mm-hmm. you know, confessions because you know they want to die with a clear conscience and won't go into any of those details. But that, <laughs> that was, that was fucking... yeah. I loved it. I...
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's you know you know that is, ironically that that scene is like you know a very thinly veiled reference to Leonard Skinnerd who had a mm-hmm. plane crash, you know in in uh, in the late seventies, and uh, you know so the the real life events of that were obviously much darker than that moment. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. That is that is one of the, the funnier, one <laughs> one of the more interesting scenes of the movie. Um, another one is the scene where Billy Crudup's character actually you know is standing on top of this roof at a house party and he's screaming, "I am a golden god," getting oh my ready god, to jump like, into nervous. Yeah, like <laughs> that's like one of the more like nail biting moments. That actually happened though. Um, according to Cameron Crowe, there was an event that um, occurred between them and the Almond brothers where they were actually at a party, you know, I don't know if they were hosting a party or they were at a party and it actually took place at a motel. And um, yes. one of the Almond brothers actually got on, got on the roof of that, uh, of that motel and jumped, into a, and jumped into the pool. And he did it like numerous times. And they kind of based that event, that scene off of that particular event.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then and another scene, here's a, here's a scene that was pretty gut wrenching. It wasn't funny at all, actually, but cause you kind of bring up the almond brothers. stuff. but the, the scene where they're at the, uh, the poker table there and they're like betting like the groupies and the beer and whatever. And like, and they are saying like, Oh, this guy's from the who this guy's from so-and-so, this guy's right. from so-and-so. So, right. Like, I'm wondering if that was like any, like based on anything that was true that the, they had this, you know, they were betting with other bands of, you know, you know, trading away you know assets you know
0: right i mean you know i i'm sure that it, you know that that is actually based on real events although there's yeah. no real you know there's nothing real to like reference that too you know yeah. but it wouldn't surprise me if that turned out to be something that was true because things like that did happen to to go down in the 70s unfortunately
1: yeah, no, 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 like I said, this movie, um, again, it's a fun watch, and it's basically, if you're a fan of like any, like, 70s rock and hard rock like if you're a fan of like zeppelin Skinner sabbath i mean sabbath kind of you don't see sabbath in the movie but there's a one setting where they're at the black sabbath concert and he's trying to get that first interview with black sabbath right, uh, right. really really love that setting and you can hear a sweet leaf in the background being played live and i was, I was a little bit i mean i knew they were going to show black Sabbath i was kind of hoping they would but like maybe oh maybe we get to see like these actors play black Sabbath we didn't get that but it was still a really cool setting and a cool scene Uh, But yeah, if you're a fan of that era of music, you're going to love this movie. Right. And
0: that is absolutely the reason why I fell in love with it in the first place. I mean, not only did they kind of have these sort of uh, fictional bands in there, you know, and fictional music that was reminiscent of that time. They actually referenced like real life bands that you know, even though they didn't appear, it was nice to kind of see that reference. You know, you get you get references to the Black Sabbath, to the Guess Who, um, to you know, Humble Pie, um, a lot of those bands Not from the early seventies. Right, exactly. You know, and you know, it, it's it's a nice, you know, it's kind of a nice tribute to to that era. And I kind of find it super interesting that they had like these sort of fictional characters that were Weaved in with like real life people like, you know, the the guy that mentors William in the film, Lester Bangs. He was a real yeah. person. He was a real film. Uh, I'm sorry. A real music critic from the 70s. And also the the editor at Rolling Stone, Ben Fong Torres, the, the Asian guy that hires. hires I was wondering. To actually do the interview. He's actually a real person. He was a real editor at Rolling Stone that worked at came, worked with Cameron Crow at the time. And one of the things that, and one of the things that he said about his, about Cameron Crowe's tenure at Rolling Stone was that he was that guy that could actually get in with all of these bands that hated the magazine and like hated journalists because they were getting such a bad rap in the press. Like around that time, you know, the, the newer heavier bands like Dear Black Sabbath, Senior Led Zeppelins, they were getting like horrible reviews from like traditional critics who really didn't understand this sort of musical revolution that was happening. And like one of the, one of the magazines that was notorious for that at the time was Rolling Stone. So, you know, it, it was a kind of a, a nice, convenient thing to have this young kid who had a a love and a fascination with these bands and kind of like had you know he, you know held them up on a pedestal that they could kind of use that as a means of getting uh you know getting access to these bands and and, and as a way to sort of be able to write good stories about them
1: oh wow yeah <laughs> very well said man I I didn't pick up on anything I see I I never realized like the historical stuff in this, I mean I wasn't around in the 70s so I But, right. yeah I didn't realize all that stuff about Rolling Stone was true and those were actually real editors I mean wow now my, my, like my mind's blown now man yo thanks so much for showing me this movie um at the time of this recording um this movie's uh, readily available to rent unfortunately it's not streaming anywhere for free but you can rent it for like four bucks on on voodoo and prime. Um, but yeah it's it's just unfortunately hopefully someone else will pick it up so people can watch it for free but if you don't mind renting it it's it's worth the money if you haven't seen it you don't mind dropping the four bucks to rent it i was very pleased with it uh it was a, it was a you know it's a good solid two-hour flick um that doesn't feel like two hours it's a it's a fun ride it really is because it you know it takes you on a journey you know with this band you know in the 70s on this tour and you feel like you're part of it so i it's a highly recommended Uh, recommendation from your boy Jay
0: you know one of the scenes one of the deleted scenes in that movie is is super interesting it's there's a scene where um you know these teachers are you know gathered at uh William's house and they're trying to convince his mom to let him go on tour with Stillwater oh wow and and he is um you know, he's trying to explain to his mom, like why this is so important to him and like what it means to him. So he pulls out a, a Led Zeppelin album and he puts, you know, puts that, you know, puts on uh, Stairway to Heaven. Um, at the time, uh, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page, they weren't allowing Cameron Crowe the rights oh. to use the And so there's like a watermark on that deleted scene that, you know, where you can kind of uh set up the song to play yourself and so it gives you like a a cue to hit play so that you get the full experience of like okay this is what they're what they're hearing and what they're experiencing through you know through that scene and i i just thought that was like a pretty interesting way to kind of make that work you know even though they couldn't use that in in a theatrical release it's kind of nice to be able to kind of make that scene work in sort of a home release edition and i think that clip is available on youtube for anybody who wants to check that out and try that out
1: okay very interesting all right anything else you want to add before we uh wrap this one up
0: No, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I highly recommend this movie for anyone who really uh, is into 70s rock. And even if you're not, if you're just a fan of like really good performances, this is a, you know, this is a a chance for you to see, you know, one of the last great performances of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, Francis McDormand's in it, she's absolutely fantastic. This is the breakout performance of Kate Hudson, uh, yep. and then you also get you know these. These newcomers at the time who were who would go on to become great stars, you know, Rain Wilson, Eric Stone Street, Jimmy Fallon. There's a lot of uh, big names in this movie. Billy Crudup, who's now on The Morning Show, but uh, he played Russell Hammond in the film. And I mean, he's absolutely fantastic. So I would highly recommend this to anybody who uh, is looking for. Uh, You know looking for for a music related music related film with really good performances in it
1: absolutely yeah and uh and also we just want to let know everybody out there's uh we we're gonna do another look back at the movie the town which is celebrating its 10th anniversary this at the time of this recording so we uh we really hope you guys check that out too uh we do plan doing a lot more um look backs uh the rest of the year and we have a whole plethora of them coming up in 2021 so uh, we're really we're really happy you guys are digging this format of uh, doing these look backs, and we're gonna do a lot more. Um, so you know we appreciate the support, and of course you know come to our you know keep coming to these live streams every Thursday. We have a blast doing them. Uh, and one thing before I we go, I just want to put say that in, in the I'm gonna put a link down below. Um, I actually did an article for NewYorkStateMusic.com years ago talking about the top ten uh, fictional hard rock and metal bands, and Stillwater was in there. Awesome. Um, <laughs> Speaking of New York dot com, The editor of that website will be one of our guests coming up on our, one of our Thursday streams in a couple weeks. So we're really looking forward to that. Before we go, we ask you to pretty please like comment, subscribe and ring that bell and spread that shit. Like syphilis. so. So the USA from Louisville to Syracuse, to all of our friends and fans around the world at nerd cage live. Enjoy life. Stay safe and good night. Sayonara. Go giants. Ooh, trying to get out of the nerd cage. Are ya?
0: Well, before you go, hit that subscribe button. And if you're really intrigued, ring that bell. Thank you for dropping by. Until next time, tell everyone you know about NerdCage Live!